Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. Good to be with you. I pray you had a wonderful weekend, and we had a wonderful conference in Missouri uh, at St. Teresa's Church with Father um, Casey and other wonderful speakers and a wonderful group of people. It was their 22nd year uh, putting on this good conference. Such good, faithful people we have in the church. No matter how bad things are getting, it is the good and the orthodox and the faithful non-compromising Catholics who wish to live for God with all their hearts, uh, their minds, soul, and strength, um, who are um, standing out a little more in society and even within the church. And I said to them what we've said, uh, we've talked about many times, what we need to do to convert the world and to save it is to live as if it's true. That's what we need to do to live as if it's true. Um, it's a, it is true, of course. And if we live as if it's true, we will be countercultural. There's no, uh, no um, question about it. We will be countercultural because um, we will be, uh, the stores will be empty on Sundays um, and the restaurants will be empty, empty on Sundays. No one will shop on Sundays. The shops will close like they used to be closed on Sundays. When we were children, uh, the stores were closed when we lived a few years in Canada on Sunday, still under the Church of England. No more. They're open. Everyone's doing what everybody's doing and destroying the, the church, destroying the faith, destroying civilization, and at the core, destroying the family. And that's what we talked about. The, um, uh, the subject was education, Mary's way. And I tell you what, if we think about the Blessed Mother and we make her our model, uh, we'll do everything right. Everything. We will, um, uh, the family will be intact. We'll, the mothers will be home. Uh, mothers and fathers will know that they are responsible for the education of their children whether or not they send them out to school, whether it's public, private, or Catholic school. Um, we went over some of the facts in the Catholic schools today that are making them places of complete brainwashing and destruction for children. Children in Britain, children in California, uh, children all over now. Uh, it's an encroaching, it's spreading all over the world. Have no choice but to learn from kindergarten on the LBG uh, agenda. No choice. It's going to be taught as norm. Uh, gender choice. <clears throat> All of that uh, is going to be norm. And there are still places you can, um, you can take your child out uh, of a sex ed class, and you definitely should. There's no choice there. You should. Um, but... There is no more an option in many places for them to learn about the LGBT agenda, transgenderism, all of that, school choice, 
children, if uh, little girls in some places. Um, I, I have a, I had a stack of news items and from all over the world like that. A, a girl wants to be a boy, and she's 15, and she could have a double mastectomy without the parents knowing. It's an unbelievable horror movie. It's worse than horror movies, and it's here. And so I had an article, Get Your Children Out of the Public Schools While You Still Can. And I beg you to do that. Get your children out of the public schools. And make sure your Catholic school is teaching the faith. If it is not, if it has the core, C-O-R-E program, get them out. If it has sex ed classes, get your children out. That is what God has given the homes to teach. The homes to teach. And again, uh, your evenings can be devoted to teaching your children, to uh, going over what they've learned during the day. And this is, it's not homeschooling, it's home education. And that does not um, fail. That does not get negated, even if you send your children out to school, home education. God has given the home, the mother and the father, not just the mother, the mother and the father, even though if, especially if parents homeschool, it's the mother who will generally spend more time um, with the children, but that's all right. But the mother and the father, and the, and it shouldn't be split. I, I read quite a bit by Father John Harden that the father doesn't have one role in homeschooling and the mother have another. No, uh, completely together, even though um, the amount of time spent by each might differ. Go over what they've learned, whether or not you homeschool them or not. Home education, the education of your child is your stewardship from God, not the schools, not the church. Again, the schools will be, and the church will be accountable for what they've done and what they've failed to do, but they have not been given the vocation of raising your children. You have. And uh, you have been given the vocation of raising your children and educating them for the kingdom. And if you turn them over to the evil of the world or in, in what is so-called Catholic, that's not, you are accountable before God. You will have no excuse to say, I didn't know that my child was being taught that. You will have no excuse to say, um, but we didn't have enough money. We both had to work. I had to send my children to those schools. You do not. You do not. You, there's a way to work it all out. I promise you that. There's a way to work all of it out. Um, oh my goodness, so many stories here of, of people who didn't have the opportunity to go to school at all. Um, and uh, the parents took as their first responsibility those children. There's a way to work it out. You can say what? You can call in during the half hour because if we began to talk on that subject, we'd be here all day. We don't have that time. But um, parents, it's your responsibility. And if you send your children to a Catholic school, you better know what they're teaching and that the teachers are Catholic because otherwise you might be better off sending them to a public school than a Catholic school. If they're not teaching the faith, your children are going to go off to college. They'll think they're Catholic. They'll think they know what it is to be Catholic, and they leave the church, and they never knew what it meant to be Catholic. They assumed they got a Catholic education, and they did not. And it's worse, I think, thinking you're getting a Catholic education and having that uh, distorted 
or degraded or or falsehoods taught. Um, so um, take account of your family parents and your vocation is to get one another, mother and father, husband and wife, to heaven and your children. That's your vocation. To raise children for the kingdom. That is your vocation. And if you fail in that, you're failing God. You're failing your children. You're failing your vocation. You have no choice. You have no choice. Many home businesses, many ways to earn money at home, where the whole family could work together. Many, many, many ways. I I think I told you last week um, of a family who... um, the mother was a nurse. The father managed a sporting goods store. They had seven children. And when the wife, the mother, had her seventh child, she came to me in tears. They were living in a upper middle class um, area in California. And the mother came to me in tears. And she said, I can't stand going home after this baby. I've taken a leave of absence and I've gone home after a month or so with all my children. I can't bear and have had, you know, babysitters and others raising them. I can't bear to do it one more time. And I said, don't do it. She said, we don't have enough money. We have seven children and a big house and my husband's salary. He's a good worker. He's manager of the store, but it doesn't cover it. Retail doesn't cover it. And I said, get out of here. They were in California. I said, get out of here. Go to Kansas. Find a huge house or find a big, big shack, or do something, and raise your children. And that's exactly what they did. They found a house on some land in Kansas. They got it. They raised their own vegetables. Uh, the children had were out of the city influence, tons of land to play in, roll around, pets, all of that. And the mother stayed home. And the father got a job managing a, a sporting goods store again. But that now in Kansas, I don't know where in Kansas, they were. now it'll cover the expenses of the family. And they were happy. And they raised a beautiful family with the mother home and those seven children. My own brother got his children. He lived upstate New York in a suburb, really good, really beautiful. But again, houses next to each other on the block. And the children would come home from school and only two years apart, four of them, two years apart each. And they would have their own friends and they'd go off to their own sports games and clubs and all kinds of things with their friends. And little children, um, five, seven, uh, nine, well, they were, they were, they weren't, they didn't even know each other. They had their own friends, they had their own activities. And my brother and his wife looked at that and said, They're not even growing up as a family with this world. This is crazy. They moved across the river and got an old fixer-up, three-story, huge, gorgeous house on five acres. They moved the family in, and the children were ecstatic, and they grew up as a family. And they didn't go off to see their own friends. If their friends wanted to come, they would come to see, see them at the house. And it was beautiful. And they got chicken and geese and they had a stream. And in the winter when it snowed, they could ski down the, the little hill they had on their land. Really beautiful. That's what you need to do. And they grew up as a family, not as independent people uh, going off and having their own influences in this awful society of ours. You say, what's well, not awful? Well, it is. 
Oh, it is compared to what it should be. It's not just awful. It's beyond awful. It's evil. I, I gave the example, as I've given to you, of the frog in warm water. He's in warm water. We're in warm water, beloved. We are in a pot of beautiful body temperature water, and we're happy. Just like the frog, you put water in a pot. You put the. I think I said this last week. I said at the conference, it so describes where we're at. You put the pot on the stove. You turn the light on, a little simmer under it. The, the little frog is as happy as a lark. I don't know why larks are happier than frogs, but he was happy as a lark. And the water began to get warm ever so slightly. Not only did he not notice it, but the body of a frog is made to adjust to its temperature. And it kept adjusting. And it didn't even notice anything was happening until it boiled to death. And I think that's exactly what's happening with us. We don't even know. We're so used to it. We're so used to it. And I tell you, growing up, did the short, did the skirts get shorter? Yes. Did the clothes get lower? Yes. Uh, did people wear sleeveless things? Yes. Or they were off the shoulder in the summer? Yes. Or they were beginning to be tighter? Yes. Did we, as a family, ever go along with any of that? We did not. Did we want to? No. My, my, our mother didn't. Our father did. They, they didn't have to tell us not to dress like that. We didn't want to dress like that. Why do we want to dress like that? It's immodest. It's disrespectful. We, we don't want to do that to ourselves. Why would we do that? It was because the, the, the virtues were so ingrained in us and who we represented as God's people was so ingrained with us. We wouldn't do that. You see, and now we see people, we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we've been to Europe, we've been all over, and I tell you what, Next to some of what we see, Tulsa's conservative. And we went even to Kansas. I have never seen what I saw in Kansas. Um, and this is middle America, and it's pretty close to Tulsa. And it's not a corrupt area of the country. But women and older girls, older teens, came to church in short shorts, so that you could barely, they barely covered their underpanties underneath the shorts. Short shorts, loose short shorts. Um, top, uh, their, their shoulders all exposed. Uh, some of the dresses were so low, low cut, they were lower than the, the bra line. And the, and the height of them was matched the short shorts. They were wearing tiny little things about their the middle part of their body, and they're in church that way. I was, I, I should be beyond getting shocked. I've been all over the place. I've seen all this, but I didn't expect it to be in Sunday dress. Unbelievable to me. Just so unbelievable. It It's the picture of society. Is it a picture of parents who have stopped parenting? It, in some measure, yes, because it's too late when your children are teenagers to begin to form them. It's too late. All of a sudden, they want to be like everyone else, and you say, no, well, but they don't have it. They're not formed that way. We didn't want to be like anybody else. We wanted to be different. We didn't do anything to be different. All we did was continue to be who we are as the people of God, and therefore we were different. 
because everybody else changed. We didn't want to change. We, we had self-respect. We didn't want that. If, if our mother, which she wouldn't have, if she said, go ahead, you can, you can wear those short skirts, I'm, number one, I would have been shocked. Our mother never would have said that. But why would we do that? I wouldn't want to walk outside. It's amazing. Well, we prudes know. Look at the people of Israel. And again, the title of the talk was Education of Your Children, Mary's Way. Can you see the Blessed Mother dressed like that? Can you see her raising her son like that? And you say, but come on, she was raising God. So what? We're raising God's children. No, no different. A little different. But we're raising God's children. Why would we... Let them be corrupted. Why? So that they think we're cool parents? Why would we do that? And you know, in some cases, children are going to do that because they desperately need to be accepted. Or they need to stand out for attention. Or for whatever it is. Because they haven't received that at home. And the parents would say, oh yes, they did. They received it at home. No, they didn't. No matter what you thought, They may have received what you thought was love, but they didn't receive the love they needed. I can tell you that for a fact. Something was wrong. Something was missing. Something may have been wrong in the parents' relationship. The mother might have loved the children perfectly, or the father. But you see, children learn love by what they witness their parents doing. You see, a child will learn love by how he sees his father love their mother. He or she will learn love by how they see their mother love their father. Not because you hug them all day or give them what they want. They will learn what they see. And if they don't see that, physically, emotionally, in every way, they know. If they don't see that, they will never feel loved. If parents don't love each other and love each other in front of the children, they should see the father putting a big smack on his wife on her cheek in the kitchen and hugging her. They should see that. They should see parents sitting together and hugging each other. They should see the parents' love. Then they will see love. And then, and only then, will they feel loved and secure. Apart from that, they won't. And they're going to need all these tattoos and and jewelry all over their face and everything else in order to survive, in order to have a reason for people to notice them. It's, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And children like that who have jewelry all over and tattoos all over and everything else, um, do I criticize them? I will never criticize those children. They are surviving the, the abuse and the neglect they received growing up. I will tell you that. Do all children, even those in a good home, go off at times? I'll say they do. Sure, they can to experiment and all of that, but it won't be long. They'll be back. They'll be back. Um, and again, they won't go off to experiment if they're solid, if their identity is solid, if it's a solid family. If there's something wrong with the parents, the children know it, even if you try to live well before them. It, it's, it's not, it's, it's what, how I compare Catholicism to um, Protestantism, which is why I say you don't go to Protestant studies. You should never 
you should you should burn Alpha, that program, Alpha for Catholics. It's not Catholic. It's Protestant. And people say, but it's good. Yes, it is good, but it's Protestant. And you will make yourself and your children Protestant. No, we're Catholic. We know the difference. No, you don't. Because it's not just a matter of doctrine. It's a way of seeing. It's not just a matter of what Alpha teaches. It's a matter of what it does not teach. That's the great difference. What it does not teach, you won't see a word in there about the true church or about the Blessed Mother or the sacraments, the Eucharist, nothing. And that's what I say between a husband and wife. You can act well between the children. You could decide to confine your arguments to your bedroom or someplace where the door is closed. But they know it. It's not what you do. It's what you don't do that is forming them. The love that is not between you that is forming them. That you don't sit with your arms around each other on the couch at night for the children to see. That's what's forming them. That the two of you don't put them to bed at night and pray together as a family. That's what's forming them. You see? Um, So that's basically what our conference is about. I didn't say all that. I said other things as well. And it was a good conference, but... Uh, I want to say, unfortunately, most of the people there were older. They were parents of older children, and they were grandparents. And they listened to what they, I guess, for the most part, agreed with um, until I started talking about modesty. And they, I started talking about the way to be modest, and, and not too many of them were there being modest. Um, and I said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You all look gorgeous. I'm just throwing this at you. Don't worry about it. My goodness, they all could have walked out with what I said. But we moved. When we, we don't live in regret, we don't look back, but we move forward. We move forward. And little by little, we, we become more Catholic. We become greater witnesses in the world. It's a beautiful thing, and it's what God has called us to. It's summer and people are hardly dressed. And they say, come on, it's hot. Well, it's hot. Look at us in full habit. I, I, I may have told you the story once. Of a, I was in an airport and at the, uh, the women's restroom, I was at a sink and there was a, a large woman um, at uh, two sinks down from me. And she was pouring water from the heat and she had short shorts on and a tank top, low cut, sleeveless tank top. And that's all she had. And uh, wearing thongs, and that's all she had. And she was hot. She looked over to me and she said, Ma'am, ain't you hot in that thing? And I said to her, But it's for Jesus. And she says, I guess it is for Jesus. She understood the sweetest thing. So sweet. It's for Jesus. Can't we handle it a little bit? Do we have to be comfortable? at the expense of being his witnesses. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with Christians dressing like that. Well, yes, there is. Well, that's your opinion, Mother. No, it's not my opinion. It's church teaching for 2,000 years. Look at the blessed everything you do. Look at the blessed Mother. And you picture her. You picture her wearing tank tops and short shorts, sleeveless dresses, uh, low-cut tops, short skirts. Picture her with that. Say, come on, mother. She's the blessed mother. 
Yes, that's right. And she's our model. She's our model, beloved. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. That's the way they dressed. Oh, no, not necessarily. But it is the way we should dress today. It is, beloved. And many religious change their habits to a different light blue cotton or white for the summer. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But they're still wearing a full habit. It's a lighter color, reflects the heat. It's lighter material. It's a fine thing to do. Um, the sisters say to me, are we going to change our habits to something lighter during the summer? And I said, no. We're going to be who we are. We're not going to do that. And we chose a, a material that's not very light. It's pretty light. Um, if I hold it up to the light, you could actually see through it. But it's a medium, uh, which means in the summer we're okay, we're hot, but in the winter we just wear sweaters under it. It's okay. It's okay. We want to bring our Lord to the world. And we don't want to look like the world. We don't want to act like the world. We don't want to be like the world. We want to be God's daughters, daughters of Mary. But we're all beloved if you're women. You're daughters of Mary. If you're men, you're sons of Mary. And we need to represent her and her son to the world in what we do and don't do, in how we dress, in what we say and don't say. Beloved, there's the music for our break. Call in toll-free with anything on your heart. 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. Oliver Plunkett, glorious martyr St. Oliver, who freely gave your life for your faith. Help us also to be strong in our faith. May we be loyal like you to the Sea of Peter. By your intercession and example, may all hatred and bitterness be banished from the hearts of men and women. May the peace of Christ reign in our hearts, as it did in yours, even at the moment of your death. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Here at the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network, we are grateful for all of the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. Have there been recent changes made to your payment information? Let us know so we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or make changes to your information through our website, thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Good to be with you on Mother Miriam Live. I'm still so happy about that and so grateful to Station of the Cross and LifeSite News. And we're going to take your calls, your texts, your emails now with anything on your heart. I repeat um, that the the uh, heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. It can be anonymous, does never need to be what... Uh, what, I, what I'm speaking about or what we're, we're speaking about, the same topic, the issue is your heart. So I invite you to call in or text toll-free at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We're going to take um, uh, a, uh, a comment from Facebook. Uh, William wrote in, He's a little confused on priestly celibacy based on the fact that the church currently ordains married men that convert from the Protestant faith if they are ordained pastors. Why is that allowed if celibacy is so important? Well, William, it's really a great question, and uh, it has been in the past that the church ordained um, men, Protestant men, who were not simply pastors, but who were priests, for example, in the Anglican Rite. Um, they were already priests in the Anglican Rite, even though um, uh, the Anglican Rite is Protestant. Um, they accepted married men in the Anglican Rite, but again, um nobody could come into the church and be married. No man can become a deacon and then be married. <laughs> oh, excuse me, I couldn't hold that one. Um, and I think also some Lutheran men who were, I guess, in their um, Lutheranism were ordained priests uh, are accepted also. I, I don't know. I, to me, it's a bit troublesome. Uh, I knew one Anglican, I know one Anglican priest who came into the church, and he's a Catholic priest, and he and his wife have four grown children. And his wife said to me, being married to a priest is simply being a single mother, because you have two wives, and the church is your wife. And that's the first call, not the family. I I, I personally um, don't think that should be the case, but here... Um, People have gone in. The, the Pope Benedict XVI has created the the ordinariate for the Anglican rite, and many of the priests, I guess, are already married with children, and they come in and become Catholic priests. Um, the Church has allowed it. I don't know all the thinking behind that. I don't know if it's because of the shortage of priests. Again, we should never do anything that God wouldn't have because of the shortage of priests. I cannot say it's wrong. But, um, uh, and the other thing we have to keep in mind, dear William, is that celibacy is not a doctrine of the church. It's a discipline. This is a huge, huge difference. If it were a doctrine that priests cannot be married, this could not be allowed. 
This could not be allowed. But it is a discipline um, that priests are celebrate. It is a discipline of the church. Uh, it is the Apostle Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 7. Um, it is the church teaching throughout the years. But it is a discipline. Uh, there were times that there were married priests. And of course, the Eastern Rite um, uh, has married priests. Uh, it, it, I don't think it should be the case. But again, uh, priestly celibacy, I believe, is what St. Paul teaches. It's what the church teaches, but it's a discipline. And um, if that confuses some, I'll give a comparison here. Although the priestly nature of the nature of the priesthood is a, a little different than this, of course. But eating meat on Fridays, um, the church until Vatican II, meat was forbidden on Fridays, absolutely forbidden. And when meat was allowed, the sacrifice was not done away with. But I tell you, most Catholics today no longer sacrifice on Friday. Because if they've not given up meat anymore, they just don't even know they're supposed to sacrifice on Friday. That was never abrogated, but they don't know that. And so, you know, you go to Catholic homes or restaurants and they order bacon and eggs and serve hamburgers and and it should never happen. It should never happen. But uh, the church wanted her children to grow up in a sense and realize the sacrifice that we need to join to Christ's sacrifice every Friday. Every Friday is a miniature, or should be, Good Friday. And so, since some people are vegetarians, and they don't eat meat anyway, they're they're off the hook, so to speak, for a sacrifice. Uh, uh, children younger than 14, I think it was, or adults older than 59 are not required to abstain from meat. They should be still required to abstain, to, to have some sacrifice. So the church said, let the children grow up. They must sacrifice. Abstaining from meat is still the norm. And the uh, USCCB, the United States Council of Bishops, uh, asked everyone in the United States to continue to refrain from meat on Fridays uh, to make reparation for abortion. But most people don't know it. Most people don't do it. Even priests don't do it anymore. Many priests I've met, it's just nothing. It, it's so tragic. Um, but you see, it was a discipline. And so when the discipline was changed uh, at Vatican II or beyond, um, Catholics lost their faith. Thousands of Catholics lost their faith because they said, how could something be wrong for 1,500 years or 2,000 years and all of a sudden be okay? How could, if something's a truth, it has to remain a truth. How could it be wrong then and be right today? That doesn't change. And and they were confused, and they didn't understand, and they just left the church. They said, then forget it. If it's okay now, then it was okay before. And if it wasn't okay before, it's not okay now. Very confused. But it was a discipline. A doctrine is what we must believe. Must believe. Not that it's okay. Not that we should. Must. When I came into the church, I had a beautiful Catholic couple who said to me, oh, don't worry about purgatory. I was still searching. Oh, the, the church doesn't believe that anymore. Shame on that couple, but they were ignorant, absolutely ignorant of their faith. And um, it, that's, that's tragic, of course. But purgatory is a doctrine. If you don't believe in purgatory, you're not Catholic, no matter what you say. 
um, but but eating meat on Fridays was a discipline which can change. So men in the priesthood is doctrine. A woman will never be priest no matter what happens, no matter how she may be ordained. But celibacy is not a doctrine. It's a discipline to apply the best manner of living out our faith. And that can change. That can change. Just as the church has allowed married men to be priests. So that's the best I can do, William. I wish it were not the case. Um, Women of married priests wish it were not the case. I tell you that, especially if they have children. God bless you. There's the music for our first break, beloved. Call in with anything on your heart. 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. In St. Paul's first letter to St. Timothy, we read, Tell the rich to be generous, thus accumulating as treasure a good foundation for the future. We are all very rich in the blessings we receive from God, and if you've been blessed with the financial means to support Catholic Radio, your donations can now make an even greater impact as we strive to bring Christ to the world. Many organizations offer gift-matching programs for their employees' charitable donations. If your place of employment is one of them, be sure to take advantage of this opportunity in support of Catholic Radio and our evangelization efforts. May God bless you for your generosity to the Station of the Cross, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Here at the Station of the Cross, we appreciate all of the donations given by our generous listeners. We receive donations by way of cash, credit card, and EFT. But did you know that you can also donate through a transfer of stock? This is a great opportunity for our listeners to give larger donations than they normally could, helping us even more in our evangelization efforts. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QCIP number of those shares. That's 1-877-888-6279. Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. I am delighted to be with you. And we have a whole half hour to ourselves. And so I'll take your calls and emails and texts, anything that's on your heart. I think we have John on the line. Are you there, dear brother? <clears throat> yes, I'm here, um, Mother. Mother, um, thank you for taking my call. I've talked with you a couple of times. I actually told your call screener that I really didn't have a question, but that I wanted to agree with you about something. 
I, I lived in California for 50 years in Garden Grove, California, very near to San Diego where you were at. I know, and, and I've been to, in Garden Grove, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and um, I, I went to the same parish there for virtually 50 years. And to my shock and dismay <laughs> when I was in the 40s, and in my 40s, I realized that I was that frog in the proverbial water and that I was actually a moral relativist. And um, I had a huge conversion, which eventually um, I realized that I needed, I didn't want, I needed, I ran from California, that I needed a reverent <laughs> mass and I needed Catholics around me. So I went. I, I moved to Kentucky. I, I attend Mass at the Fathers of Mercy in Auburn, Kentucky. And when I did that, my job fell through, and um, I became really rather destitute. And the reason I'm saying this is because um, I, 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 wanna, I wouldn't have changed a thing. I, I, I want your listeners who are on the verge and at some place where they're not being fed and their children are being spiritually av- abused to really do everything and anything they can to get out of that situation and good. do it. Because good. the good Lord will take care of you. And I, I, and, and I remember leaving there. I, I told my wife, I don't care if I end up. We all end up in a cardboard box. Um, I need a reverent mass. I had to admit as a man that I couldn't handle the handle the spiritual abuse anymore. It was it was going to put me in hell as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to give that testimony. Oh, I appreciate it very much, John. I recognize your voice. Yes. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, we, we've talked we've talked to a, a, a number of times, and and I've said before on your show, your you one of your cassettes helped me more than you'll ever know. Oh, thanks but, be to um, God, John. You, you know, <clears throat> you you just need to make these moves because because they're just so totally working on it. I had young kids. And I and I came to realization that I had to get them out of there. I I, I just had to get them out of there. So I, I just had to call in and try to reinforce um, what you are saying. Yes. And especially about modesty and so on, because I tell Kentuckians all the time, you don't realize it, but it's coming here because I see things even in Kentucky that really kind of blow me away. And we all have to be on guard. So, yes. God yes, bless God. you. I love oh, bless you. you. I love your ministry. And I hope everybody shares your program. Oh, thanks, dear John. God bless you for your testimony, your witness, and your life. Um, <clears throat> we you. had a call. Thanks, John. We had a call from Mary who left a message, Mary from Dallas, Texas, off the line. And she said that I ha- made a mistake that there's no upper age limit for Friday abstinence. It's fasting uh, that has the age limit of 59 and a half. Mary, you're 100% right. And if I talked about an age limit for Friday abstinence, uh, I'm wrong. I, I, I meant for fasting. So God bless you for listening so well and helping me out here. No, everyone... um, is to have some form 
Uh, now, abstinence usually, it, it doesn't necessarily f- refer to food. That's right. Fasting has an age limit of 59 and a half, the upper age limit. But again, uh, abstinence or the Friday sacrifice has no age limit. Everyone should make it. Everyone should make it. No, I think this is Mary's point. No matter what our age, um, we need to join with our Lord every Friday on the cross and offer something. Offer something. It could be the sacrifice of an extra half hour of prayer. Um, it could be refraining from uh, TV. It could be so many things. It doesn't have to be food, by the way. Um, but you need to know that meat is still the norm. But if we are abstaining from meat, um, oh, that's right. You're right. Uh, that's abstaining from meat. That's If that's our Friday abstinence, there's no age limit on that. So if someone would normally abstain from meat on Friday and uh, at a certain age, young or old, uh, for some reason they cannot abstain from meat, some health reason, then they abstain from something else. That's right. Very good. God bless you, Mary. Let me just see. We have another message here from someone on Facebook from Carlos who says, how do we deal with fallen aways in our families and in our spheres of influence? Are there some overarching things to keep in mind? Yes, Carlos, just what we spoke about for the first half of the program, live as if it's true. That is incredibly and entirely overarching because it will affect what you do and what you don't do. It'll affect your modesty You're not going to come to church as a man in shorts, even knee length. You're not going to have your legs out. Um, You're not going to be wearing a T-shirt. You're going to dress properly. And your language is going to be fitting. And your language is not going to change at a bar or men's night out. You're going to be a Christian man. And you're going to put your wife first and your children and your home and... uh, you're going to live as a proper human being uh, who loves God and who is his witness. And you will stand out. That's overarching to keep in mind um, to deal with everybody because they'll see that you're different and you're not judging them. You're not correcting them. You're not telling them what they should or should not do. Nothing. You are simply living your faith in the midst of them and it will be contagious much more than measles are contagious. I promise you that. We have a text from Anton, and Anton says, Mother, when is obedience overridden in day-to-day life? Sometimes the line between obeying your parish priest, for example, and offending God is hard to discern. Well, my goodness, um, there is never obedience, uh, Anton, is never overridden. It is never overridden. We are always obeying God. That never stops. And we obey him through the authorities, parents, um, priests, hierarchy, the church, our, our employer. We obey the authority God has put over us, the rightful authority. When that authority um, asks us to do anything that would go against God, we disobey. Why? Because like Peter, we say, you tell us, should we obey men or God? You are always obeying, 
but you are always obeying God through the people he's put in our life unless they cause us to sin. And so when you say sometimes the line between obeying your parish priest, for example, and offending God is hard to discern, it should not be hard to discern. If we live right all the time, the more we give in to sin, the more cloudy our conscience becomes. The more we live what is right, the clearer we are. If it's cloudy, if it's difficult, it's probably because our life is kind of on the fence going back and forth. But um, I, I would need an example of when it's hard to decide obeying priest or God. I would need an example. If you're not sure if the priest is right, if your conscience speaks against it, you don't obey the priest. You say, Father, there, I, there's something I, that just doesn't strike me right. I'm so sorry. Uh, like the priest who said to the parishioner, we got a call in last week, that adoration is the church doesn't teach that anymore, and you'll be disobeying God to have an adoration chapel. And she, she asked the priest where it says that, and he, he won't tell her. He, I don't have time for that. And the priest is wrong. So in a case like that, he's very wrong, and he is guilty of other lack of virtue uh, and sin. Um, but in a case like that, you don't know exactly what the church says, but you know that you have a sense that the priest is not right. You just withhold. You just withhold. Let it go and go home and find out right away what the right answer is. Call Catholic.com. Call Catholic Answers. Call EWTN, uh, look it up online, look up canon law, many, many, many things to give you the answer. We are adults. We need to grow up into our faith and find out the answer. Um, if you if you are torn between obeying your parish priest and offending God, you never offend God. You never go against your conscience. You may be wrong, but if your conscience says, if I do that, I'm going to be offending God. You do not do it. And the priest says, you're wrong. You obey me and say, Father, I, I, I just, I don't know what to do. I'm torn here. I want to obey you. But in this instance, my conscience won't allow me to do it. Can you help me? Can you show me, you know, where this is right? Can you show me somehow to help me? Can you teach me this way? And if he says, no, you simply need to obey me, say, Father, you just go. And you, you don't obey, and you, you look up. I was once at a parish giving a conference, giving a mission for a couple of days, and I arrived there at, in the evening, and it was an evening mass, and the, they had asked me before I got there if I would announce the conference and give a little summary of it uh, at the mass, and I said, I will do it as long as it's after communion, not during the mass, not at the homily, nothing like that. Only if it's after communion for three minutes, I will come up and do that. Well, when I got there, when it, it just as the Mass started, just before, a minute before the Mass started, they introduced me to the priest, and he shook my hand, and he said, oh, great, I'm so glad you're here, so I'll introduce you at the homily, and you'll give the homily. I said, no, no, Father, the understanding is that I'd give a little announcement after communion. He said, no. I want you to give the homily. And I said, I can't do that. He said, I'm a priest. I am ordering you to do that. I said, Father, I cannot preach at the homily. It's not the place for a woman or a lay person. He was, 
loud. He shouted. His face was red. I order you to do that. Shouting loud in the back of the church. And I simply said, Father, I'm so sorry. I simply cannot. You see? We cannot be intimidated to disobeying and dishonoring God. He didn't have a homily prepared, and he panicked. But he cannot put me in a position that God wouldn't put me in. You see, um, I didn't disobey him. I obeyed God. If if disobeying sin is still disobedience, I don't know about that. But yes, I will disobey sin. So um, it's very, very, very important. Um, you need to know, Anton, what is right. And if your conscience really convicts you, um, then you find out. You don't have to tell your parish priest you disagree or that you're going to check it out. You don't need to challenge him like that. You say, Father, I understand what you're saying, and you go and you find out the truth. And then you either obey him or you tell him why you cannot obey. Okay. We had a call off the line from John in Kentucky who um, uh, he says... Oh, this was um, a call at the end of the program on Friday. Um, All right, John. Um, He says, isn't it wrong to say that the Novus Ordo is the new Mass? Well, the translation of Novus Ordo is the new order, not the new Mass. There is no new Mass. The Novus Ordo is Greek for new order. So it is the new order of the Mass, and that's what the Novus Ordo is. It's the new order. Now, many people question if the new order has kept the Mass of the ages legitimate, and there's wide disagreement on that. But again, it's there's no new Mass. There's one Mass that our Lord gave at the Last Supper and said to the apostles, do this in remembrance of me. And that's what we are to do, the Mass that has been celebrated and loved and revered in the church for 2,000 years. The Mass that has changed today is the new order of Mass, and I've seen it done reverently, but what I saw this weekend and many other times is really, it's as awful as it gets. So, not as awful as it gets, I've seen it more awful, but it's, it's really terrible. And it, it's not a new Mass, but it's an abomination of the Mass. So it's, it's, uh, it's a shame. But in any case, beloved, there's our closing music. God bless you. Uh, love the Lord your God with your, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Be His witness in the world. It's not a matter of your deciding. You are His witness for good or for bad. God bless you. We'll speak with you tomorrow.